everybody. So uh, welcome to another uh, great night here at the Poison Pen. My name is Patrick. I am our science fiction and fantasy selector here over at the store. Uh, I've been reading Kevin since the very, very beginning, so we're always really lucky to have him come on down. And this is sort of a special occasion because really you're here for your mom's birthday. So yeah. first of all, happy birthday, Kevin's mom. Pat. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. So congratulations, you know. Uh, You've ra you've raised the uh, the one of the best writers in the United States, in my opinion, <laughs> and um, that's totally uh, what she intended. Yeah. All right, I got I got a pose for mom. Sorry, everybody. When your mom says you do something, you got to do it. <laughs> it was the best of times. It was the worst of times, right, Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, this is really cool because you've come about, so we're about six months out from Curse of Krakens. Yeah. Right? So, um, where we've got, you know, meaty literary Kevin, and now we've got uh, a meaty mystery. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, actually, I have a ton of stuff coming out this year, so we could talk about that. Uh, last year was just, just the one giant epic, but, you know, this year I have a ton of stuff coming out, so... Um, yeah. Well, you could only write, you know, one epic a year, I think. I mean, if you got you got to be a little you little crazy if you did more than that, right? Yeah. It it took me a little bit longer than a year to get it done, but um in the meantime, I was also working on other stuff and it's all just sort of the weird publishing schedule, everything's kind of coming out at once. So, um so yes, I have uh, Canines and Cocktails and did this with Chaka Delilah. All of the novellas are about dogs and drinks. So you have Oberon and Starbuck on here on the cover, but also this is Peach Pit, a new character uh, with Delilah. This is actually introducing a new series that she is writing uh, with Del Rey. So, uh, and then this is Gumball, the Golden Retriever. And Gumball is uh, part of Chuck Wendig's book called Wayward. And when I was reading Wayward, every time Gumball came on to the page, I was just like, Gumball! You know, I just, just love that dog. So. Um, it's, it's the best, and I, I hope you guys will enjoy all of these. They're very different, of course, because uh, we're all very different writers. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of Chuck and Delilah's as well as being their friend. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had a, a great time writing this because um, this Oberon's Meaty Mystery is really the happy ever after for Atticus that uh, lots of folks have been waiting for. Um, the Iron Druid Chronicles was the story of how Atticus got free of the gods who were chasing him. That was the, the point of the story for him is like, how did I finally free myself from the burden of being a fugitive for 2,000 years? And so he ended the story where he got his freedom. But that wasn't necessarily a happy ever after. Um, and it, it takes a while for him. You know, in Irish stories, to be fair, they're not happy ever afters. A lot of Irish stories are, are terrifying and sad. And which is one of the reasons I also wanted to tell the story the way I did, because I was annoyed uh, when I first started writing Hounded. I was annoyed at the Disney character uh, making fairies friendly to humans. I'm like, no, that's not <laughs> the way the fae are supposed to be portrayed. They're not your friends. So um, I, I was writing all of this from, you know, trying to be Irish about it. And, um, and an Irish narrator tells the story and finishes it when he feels he's gotten to the end that's relevant to him. 
and Atticus doesn't necessarily think about a happy ever after when you left 2,000 years. That's a long time to be happy. So <laughs> he, he doesn't expect that necessarily of himself. So uh, it takes a while. Things have to develop. So stuff happened after Scourge. There's another, the third Oberon's meaning mystery, which is called The Buzzkill. That's set about six months after Scourge. Yep. And then you have Ink and Sigil, which starts a year after it. And then Paper and Blood, okay, where you get a whole bunch. That's a, a lot of resolution there in Paper and Blood for Atticus and Oberon. But then this book, uh, uh, the Chartreuse Chanteuse is the novella that I wrote here. It takes place over the weekend in between Paper and Blood and Candle and Crow, which is coming out in October. So this is your little sort of bridge thing. Um, when you see Atticus and Oberon show up in Candle and Crow, they are already into their happy ever after, which, mm -hmm. you know, starts here. So, yeah, tell everybody this is the stuff you've been waiting for. Exactly, and ours are somewhere in between Tennessee and Phoenix at the moment. Okay. We're just waiting for. So one of the challenges is you decided to go ahead, you, Delilah, and Chuck, to publish this yourself, right? Yes. Yeah. And <coughs> so for us, getting the the copies isn't a problem. It was a the big challenge was they were still printing them when they uh, when we did our initial order. So. Um, one of the challenges then is that the books are coming. Kevin's going to be kind enough to be signing book plates for us because he's going to be heading up to the frozen north yeah. um, for a little while, so we can't exactly ship yeah. the books. But you can still order the book. You can still get it signed. And guess what? Kevin comes back regularly. So yeah. um, you can Because mom. <laughs> <laughs> and you need a little sunshine, a little, yeah. little heat, a little time to thaw out a little bit, for you sure. know? Yeah. So, um, what is it like sitting down and writing um, a short story versus sitting down and writing a Curse of Krakens? What's what's going on in your your writer brain there? Well, it's tremendously easier because Oberon is very simple in terms of what he likes. Um, he's he's got a few things that he likes, and uh, those are his motivations. And so, uh, you know, but it's it's a lot of fun having him. You know, basically ground Atticus in the present. And, uh, you know, Atticus has such a long history, and he's always thinking about the long view or stuff that happened long in the past. And uh, Oberon has a great way of just bringing him back to the here and now. So um, it's a lot of fun for me to do that. And, and, and it, it opens up certain philosophical things, too, mm -hmm. because the dog is basically a Taoist. If you're familiar with Taoism at all, they're very much about living in the present. And um, instead of the past or the future, so um, it, it's a different kind of worldview than perhaps a lot of other uh, philosophies that are out there. So, um, yeah, I, I I really dig that about Oberon and what he brings to the table, and um, the opportunities for him to learn things is always fun too because he doesn't he still doesn't know everything, right? He's a very old dog, but he doesn't know everything yet, so it's a good time. And he's going to be around forever. <laughs> well, There's of course. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very important to know. Yes. Nothing bad ever happens really to Oberon. <laughs> yep. You could kill off Atticus, we'd be fine. Yes. Kill off Oberon. Oberon's got it right. right. We're, we're writing letters yeah. to you, sir. Yep. yep. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, this is, uh, if you want some more Oberon, I should go ahead and make a plug here. One of the things I decided to do this year um, is write a short, a new short story every month from Oberon's point of view, 
and it is going out to folks who subscribe to my newsletter and have a paid subscription. The paid subscription is like six bucks a month, so it's like buying me a fancy taco, and I write you a short story. <laughs> so, so think of it like that, okay? So um, they go out at the end of every month. I've already started the one for this month. It's going out soon. Um, the first one's already out, and if you subscribe now, you can go ahead and read that. Um, the first one was uh, set in the Netherlands during World War II, and these are all Oberon's bath time stories. So you know how Oberon will go and get a bath time, and Atticus will tell him something about a historical figure, and then Oberon becomes mildly obsessed with that figure for a while? If that's what happens. So that's what you're getting every month. Of course, at the end, I will collect them all together, um, and they'll be available like as an ebook or audiobook. Luke Daniels will narrate it and all that good stuff. But in the meantime, if you want to subscribe and have it delivered to your I mailbox, you know, then that is supporting me in the writing of it and, you know, paying for Luke to do his narration and stuff like that. So, so, yeah. wha so what made you decide to go self-published on this? On this particular one? Yep. Um, well, we, we had self-published Death and Honey as well. And okay. um, I'd also self-published like the audio for the Purloin Poodle and the Squirrel mm -hmm. on the Train. Um, novellas are not really things that... I mean, y there are people who publish novellas. It's Tor.com, mm -hmm. basically, who does them, you know? Right, exactly. Uh, but but most of, you know, Del Rey doesn't really publish novellas. So um, if you were going to publish a novella, then you would either need to go through probably Tor.com or just do it yourself. Exactly. That's, so that's why I've just, just gone ahead and self-published these. They're, they're fun for me to write and to add into, you know, the story of the Iron Druid Chronicles. But, you know, if you miss them, then, you know, you haven't missed something vital or crucial i guess i've always found that short stories are a harder sell for people and i'm not exactly sure why because there's some great anthologies out there yeah. with some really great authors and it introduces you to their voice and mm -hmm. what they're capable of so i always say you know if you see a, a good anthology out there with your favorite author in there to pick it up because you're going to be introduced to 12 more that are going to you know and yeah. somebody's going to really click with you on yeah. that for sure. I, I've got one with uh, uh, out there called Unbound 2 right now that has a short story in there that's the origin of Gladys, who has seen some shite. And uh, so if you would like to dive into that, there's a whole bunch of authors in there you might be uh, pleased to meet. So, um, And then, of course, I have The Chapel Perilous, which was in Unfettered way back when. Um, yeah, I've had, uh, there's a, another one coming out that um or that is already out uh with an oberon story called fire hazard and that was in paranormal payback no heroic hearts sorry heroic hearts mm -hmm. that's already out paranormal payback is what i'm writing um there's a story there that i'm going to be writing about uh the polish witches uh the coven uh and uh i've, I've my research for that has become Really interesting. I'm, I've become obsessed with Polish tea rooms. They're underground. There's this whole culture about going to a tea room now. The kids in Poland often will go to tea rooms right now instead of like trying to go out and drink or have keggers or whatever. They, they, they like to go to these little underground tea rooms instead and uh, kind of chill out there and talk and hang out. So, And they're, they're all in basements, like these brick-covered basements, and they look super cool and cozy. So... Um, I'm into those right now. It's pretty fun. So yeah. Did you visit somewhere you, you were in Poland then? Yeah, I did. 
and and then I've been looking online, and then I have a bunch of Polish fans who've been super helpful and telling me about stuff in Warsaw. Um, they they love the Polish covenant, of course. When I, I went to Poland one time, and they were like, thank you for writing about us, you know? Like, <laughs> they're just so pleased that somebody, you know, is recognizing the existence of Poland. You know, hardly anybody ever writes about them. So, um, and, and I, while I was there, that's when I got induced, introduced to uh, Wisława Szymborska, the wonderful Polish poet who won the Nobel Peace Prize, or not Peace Prize, the Poetry Prize. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed their, their culture and their food and... Um, the great beer that they make there and all that other good stuff. And hard words for Luke Daniels to st- uh, pronounce, yes. right? That's what I really enjoy. <laughs> it, because they have all of these words that ha- like S-Z-C-Z, you know, like all strung together. Maybe you'll throw in a Y, but then they'll just ignore all other vowels. So I just like pick one that has a whole bunch of Z's and stuff in it. I'm like, ha! <laughs> Go, Luke. Give that a try. He knows I'm messing with him too. He doesn't mind uh, because it's a challenge. He likes that, so I, I, you know, I have fun challenging him, and then he likes to just sort of flawlessly pull it off. So it's great. Well, within the Iron and Druid series, you're you're set with with the United States. You know, the world, our world as we know it, is the map. Mm-hmm. However, you've created in your Pell series and in your Seven Kenning series the maps yeah <laughs> for everything so when you develop a new series or if you develop a new series what would you rather do would you rather sit down for like six months and draw out the map or do you do that maybe a little bit later on after you first start writing the book oh i have to start with the map just because i need there's going to be traveling you know and, and i want to know where they're going to go and yeah i kind of plus while you're doing the map um it, it basically suggests a whole lot of the world's politics and, and tensions because, of course, every, every region has its own special resources, and those resources are things that they're going to trade or that other people are going to want to fight over <laughs> and take from you. It's going to inform the history of wars and all that other kind of stuff that goes on in the world. So you kind of have to know what the map is before you really get into the storytelling uh, if you're doing a second world fantasy kind of thing. Uh, at least that's the way I approach it. So I did the map for A Curse of Krakens and the map for The Tales of Pell before actually writing the stories. So. And I love your uh, I love your little jokes throughout both books, yeah. <laughs> our both series. Yeah. Um, uh, there, there's a certain forest that is uh, very entertaining that you and Delilah tried to one-up each other on. Yes. So... Yeah, so, so Delilah would name some of the things on the, the map for the Tales of Pell. And by the way, the first book is called Kill the Farm Boy. Okay, We were making fun of fantasy quite a bit. But the map for that is probably my favorite thing ever. So Delilah came up with where the elves live. They live in the Morningwood. So you could just imagine that the jokes, you know, where they go from there. Very highbrow stuff. Woo! Really sophisticated. So um, we, we had a, a blast with that, and I, I would name things around the Morningwood, uh, you know, amusing stuff as well. So, and then I threw in a town just called Bob. You know, all these, r- you know, <laughs> I just had a great time with it. It's, so. it's very Black Adder, the yeah. Bob, Bob joke, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Check it out if you haven't. If you haven't tried the Tales of Pell, they're very fun. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys dig it. So, the, so 
you enjoy clearly writing everything that you write. I mean, it it shines on the page. When, where do you find um, you struggle? Where are the areas because your writing is so effortless in all <laughs> three series? Okay. But I could assume that there is really no, deep effort. inside. <laughs> yeah. There is some torture that is going on there too. Yeah. Um, what happens with me is that I I get into what the characters are, or what they're saying and how they're acting and and how that is developing their character and then i forget to talk about what they look like um i, d I don't describe them and in edits you know this is a continuous thing with my my editor she's like kevin i have no idea what these people look like again again <laughs> this is book 20 you're still not describing anybody so so i'm i'm i have to go back in my edits and and describe what people look like uh, for Hounded, for example, she's like, you have three different goddesses, Flittish, the Morrigan, and, and Briad, and you'd never say what any of them look like. Because to me, that wasn't part of their character. You know, to me, their, their character was how they behaved and um, what they said. And, and so the, the but I, I wasn't thinking about, well, the reader kind of needs this to get a picture in their mind and all that kind of stuff. I knew what they looked like in my head. I just, why, in the process of writing, I just forgot that part. So that's the part I continually struggle with and have to remind myself. It's like, you should put in some clues so people know, you know, what somebody looks like. So now, are you finding nowadays you have some sensitivity readers that are coming through and reading your books? Because I know that is something that a lot of fantasy and sci-fi yeah. readers, are, authors do nowadays, is they have a sensitivity reader going through and uh, mm -hmm. making suggestions. Yeah, I haven't done that a, a ton. I will probably do that with some stuff that I've that I'm working on, but um, I haven't done that too much. Um, when I was doing, for example, uh, stuff for Tricked, I did have you know I, I was doing some research uh, and asking folks of the Navajo Nation to help me out with how this should be portrayed and what what do we talk about and how do we do that. Uh, when I was doing the stuff for Shattered for the Hindu faith, I was talking to some folks of the faith to make sure I was kind of getting the rakshasas right and so on and so forth. Exactly. So yeah, uh, I didn't necessarily have sensitivity readers, but I was make if I was talking about somebody else's culture at all, then I would make sure that I was talking to somebody from that culture to do my research in the first place. Exactly. So yeah. So yeah. it's a challenge because you don't want to offend and you oh don't yeah. want to, but you want to explain as well. And I think it'd be harder when you're adding a little bit of humor with your adventure so that you don't offend. Um, and you've always taken really great care, especially the Navajo and the, and the you know, throughout yeah. the entire series. So you've always seemed like you're very um, thoughtful in Thanks. terms of that as w of that. Um, what is uh, what were some of your favorite cultures to write about? Oh, well, I really did enjoy uh, um, doing the, the Hindu faith and uh, in, in, in making sure that uh, you know, I was doing that correctly. But I was it was fascinating um, reading you know, mm -hmm. that I was doing there. Um, and of course, I, I enjoyed uh, the Navajo Nation stuff as well. There's a rich history there. There's uh, some great, um, like, recorded, there's a, a couple of books about their legends that have ac actually been, like, recorded. Mm -hmm. Like, somebody uh, was telling the stories, and they were being recorded and then basically transcribed. So that's a great original source. So, um, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed that. That was from the University of New Mexico that did that, that work. So, um Great stuff. You've really, I mean, you've written all over the board. Um, 
you're you're an incredibly talented writer and clearly you've got just such a huge fan base here and across the world um I'm going to bow out of the rest of the conversation because okay. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of Q&A here from the audience and sure. from the rest of the group. But I did have a question from uh, one of our customers earlier on mm -hmm. begging me to ask you if you were going to have Luke Daniels doing a reading for Canines and Cocktails or if that's going to be an audiobook because people were very, very interested in that as yeah. well. Yeah, it's done. Um, so this is the weird thing. Um, Amazon has decided that I do not exist, um, and they basically closed my uh, KDP account. And without that account being open, I can't publish the audiobook. So I am in the process of trying to convince ad uh, Amazon that I am a real boy. And once they acknowledge that and reopen my account, I can then go ahead and publish the audiobook. So Luke Daniels has already done it. He, in fact, he was done with it in November. I've just been waiting, you know, to, to get it done. And if we hadn't had this snafu with Amazon, then um, it would be out already. <laughs> I'm so sorry about the delay. These are like we've just had uh, issue after issue with, with the release of this. And none of it was intentional. It just ah, stuff happens. So hopefully it'll all get fixed up and you guys will get to, to hear the audio as well. So, yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Now I'm going to be running around the audience with my microphone. Okay. So you can ask whatever questions you guys want, okay. and Kevin will be glad to answer them. Sure. So get those get those thoughts going. And who's who's first? Raise your hand. Well, well, somebody's thinking real uh -huh. quick. I have one more thing I'd like to announce. Is that okay? Oh, please. Okay. Um, so besides the Oberon short stories on my newsletter, I've got another thing coming out in June that you could pre-order now. It is a science fiction novella called The Hermit Next Door. It's set just south of Portland. And um, it's a, a woman who's and her son named Pax. They uh, move from Tennessee to Oregon because she's recently widowed and she's grieving. Okay, So she winds up uh, buying this place out in Oregon by a river. And she's warned ahead of time that her next door neighbor is a recluse. He's... Nobody's seen him in years. She's like, fine, I like peace and quiet. That's great. But it turns out that the hermit next door is actually not from around here, as in not from this planet. And there's a reason he's hiding. So uh, she's abruptly part of the biggest secret on the planet. He's trying to get home. And she has to you know, decide, well, do I want to keep this secret or, or not? And do I, how far do I want to go in helping him? You know. So it, it is coming out in June, and you can pre-order it now from Subterranean Press if you just want to search for The Hermit Next Door. It's a signed, numbered, limited edition um, in print, and then there will be ebook and there will be audio as well. It won't be Luke Daniels because the narrator is a woman, so I've, I've hired someone that I really like to be the narrator. Her name is Annalie Scott, and um, she'll be recording it shortly, and it'll be out in June as well. So, yeah, I want to tell you guys to, to look for that because that's coming out too. So... Like I said, a busy year for me. So, yeah. Yeah, pre-order now, yeah. You had a question, sir, yes. Uh, you mentioned previously that uh, you have a squadron of editors that constantly remind you to, just to describe the characters you're writing about. Yeah. And I'm wondering, have you ever been tempted to write a, a character who is visually impaired so you don't have to do any of that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I... <laughs> Because that, that would be uh, opening up its own little, like I would need a sensitivity reader just for that part uh, to do uh, a blind character to make sure I'm not doing that incorrectly. So uh, 
Yeah, I I, I don't want to uh, unintentionally hurt somebody with a you you know who has any sort of disability. So um, I haven't done that particular kind of character yet. So yeah, thank you for the question. Yes. All right. So my last name is Helgeson. You almost got it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's close. <laughs> yeah. But um, of course, now I just forgot my question. But um, that's okay. I think it was. Uh, would it would it help if we did anything like file complaints through Audible or through Amazon to say yeah. what are you doing? Uh, it. I don't know what would help. I'm very confused about their. I can't seem to talk to a person. So I'm not sure what would help. Uh, maybe, maybe emails would help, but I, I, I also don't want to annoy them, and because there's no way to guarantee that everybody would be polite. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm trying to reach out. Like, I know a guy who knows a guy, kind of thing, who, who might be able to talk to somebody who can figure things out. But uh, we're not sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, you bet. Bye, Sammy. Bye, Shiloh. Yeah, no, none of that. None of that. By the way, that's my cousin Shiloh who's taking off right now. She's got to go. Bye, Shiloh. Bye. Yeah. And and Shiloh is featured in the Chartreuse Chanteuse, at least the name. So yeah, the, that character was named after Shiloh. The the character in the book has nothing in common with the real Shiloh, but uh, there you go. Just it's a Tuckerization kind of thing. That's right. So there you go. Pax and the hermit next door is actually named after Shiloh's brother, Pax. So there you go. Bye, Sammy. We'll see you. Say hi to Alex for me. Yes, sir. Uh, is it right if I name another author? Of course. I, okay, yeah, so I, Douglas I'm Adams. Not. Yeah, he's great. Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul. Yes, fantastic. So that uh, was that a lot of your inspiration, you think? Oh, well, Douglas Adams in general. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, I'm not sure that the tea time necessarily because of Thor and, and there's a part oh, in there where I really That's thought that I really thought that you and Neil Gaiman got the ideas from oh from long dark tea time of the soul because of the content you know oh I see what you're saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, no see I I was really into Thor being a jerk because of the he there's so many thunder gods around the world right because hey guess what thunder is around the world so we have all of these thunder gods in, in human faiths, and Thor is unique among them because he's got that prophecy about how he will die specifically. So he's got that whole Ragnarok thing going on, and he can't die until he meets a really big snake, right? Yeah. So, so that differentiates him from the other thunder gods. And I thought if you had a prophecy about how you would die, and you knew w well in advance how you would die. It might tend to make you believe over time that there's no real consequence for your actions mm. until you meet that snake. And if you're already a thunder god who's kind of prone to have a short temper, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I just thought that over time that would make him, that would corrupt him. And that's where that came from, just that that's specific great. part of Norse mythology and that particular thunder god that that he had the potential to become corrupt over time whereas a lot of other thunder gods don't really have that thing going for them so yeah. that's where it came from but uh, yeah i i love douglas adams in general thanks he's fantastic. Yeah, that's pretty cool yeah. yeah you bet great question yes Yay. all right
so I don't remember if you said the um, Incan Sigil series would be a trilogy or if yeah. you have a plan for how many books you're going to be doing in that series. Yeah, it is a trilogy. It is a trilogy. It okay. is a trilogy. So Candle and Crow is the last one. All right. And um, it, almost everybody is in it. Okay, so Granuel shows up for chapter four and Owen shows up in... Oh, I forget which chapter, but he's there too. So um, everybody has their last farewell in Candle and Crow. So it wraps everything up for Al, Buck, and Nadia, but you also get all the Iron Druid folks in there too. Oh, great. So yeah, it's it's the whole gang, and of course, you can if you've read the Iron Druid series and Inconsidual so far, you know who the Crow is, right? So there you go. Yeah, I don't want it. Yeah, I'm not spoiling anything here. Yeah. Oh, that's coming out October 1st, and honestly, I, from what I understand, the cover reveal is supposed to happen this next week. So it should be, like if you went out to a site right now or to Poison Pen, you could pre-order it right now. There's just no cover image, um, but the cover image should be loading up this week, and you guys will see it. So I'm excited about it. It's cool. Yeah. What made you think of creating a character where everybody hates him after he opens his mouth? Which one are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about your main character in, in Incan Sigil. I'm blanking on his name at the moment. Oh, Al McVarish. Al, Al McVarish, thank yeah. you. Yeah, Aloysius McVarish, yeah. Um, no, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what made me think of, of that, th that it was, a ju it was just a curse laid on his head uh, to alienate him. So, yeah, I, I did want a character, though, that was... An older character, it's a little bit unusual to have your main protagonist be somebody in their 60s. But I'm like, hey, man, I, I still have fun. <laughs> I'm not in my 60s yet, but I'm just like, I, you know, I would like to see some, some stories about folks who aren't all in their 20s and, you know, banging everything that moves. So let, let's have somebody who's, you know, been around a little bit and has some wisdom and so on, and let's see what kind of I adventures or, you know, what kind of problems that they're facing. So... Um, that's what I wanted to do there with the Ink and Sigil series. And it was a contrast with, with Atticus, right? Who's incredibly old, but looks super young. So what if you have somebody who's um, kind of in that, s in that world and everything, but is aging normally? So yeah, that's what I was doing there. So thanks. Any other questions? Oh, well, yeah, it's really sad that Rula Bula shut down. I was actually here for that. They had that one week of uh, the pop-up. Yeah, so I got to go and have the fish and chips one last time. Um, but yeah, I, I would love for somebody else to take that over. And but but the guy who owns it, you know, he's in his he's in his sixties or so. Like he he'd rather retire, right? He doesn't want to continue to run a pub. So, uh, but nobody's bought it from him. So um, you know, they're the name or anything like that. So um, I'm not sure that that will ever open up again. But um, I I'm glad it was here while it lasted because it was a heck of a great pub and. Um, it, it, a lot of old stuff. We were just talking over dinner about how a lot of old stuff that used to be here in Old Town Scottsdale is gone. Mag's Ham Bun, which then became Pishke's Paradise, that's gone. And that was on Main Street, wasn't it? Was it Main Street? Um, Los Olivos is still there, but that, you know, that, that's been there forever. And so a lot of other stuff has changed, but you still have a few things that are, um, kind of still core Scottsdale old time stuff. So that's good. The Sugar Bowl is still there, yeah. Hey, we should go to the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> so, 
I haven't yeah. been there in years, man. So yeah, best hot fish Sundays in the in the oh, yeah? uh, area. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And and how dare they open a Hagen Dazs right across the street? I'm Did just they? saying. That's yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah that should have so been illegal. I it really should. Yeah. So what's your feeling on uh the romanticy bringing people in a bigger readership into fantasy? I'm all for more readers. That's great. Yeah. I'm 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 super happy for anybody who finds a story they love. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's it's really been exploding. So who have you been reading? Because you always have a great list of recommendations for all of us here. Yeah. Um. Who's who's really, uh, kind of uh, been exciting to you? Um. I'm T Kingfisher. If you guys haven't read, uh, T Kingfisher, Nettle and Bone is pretty darn good. I actually blurbed that one. That was. Wound up winning the Hugo. Uh, and then there's, uh, I always recommend uh, The 10,000 Doors of January by Alex Harrow. And um, I love uh, Andrea G. Stewart, or Andrea Stewart's uh, trilogy, The Drowned Empire series. Um, there's, a, there's a talking animal kind of, you know, going on there you, that you might enjoy. So if you like my stuff, uh, you might really enjoy that epic fantasy. Um, so it, it's, it's very imaginative. Uh, the first book is called The Bone Shard Daughter. So, yeah, there's a magic system based around bones. I love it. It was so interesting. So uh, check that out if you'd like. So hope that helps. Patrick, anybody online? Yep. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, the yeah I, I have incorporated a little bit of the Polish uh, stuff into the Iron Druid Chronicles. Uh, there were these nightmare creatures called the Nocnica that are um, sort of ghastly spectral figures that will choke you to death in your sleep. Yeah, scary as heck. Um, so that that I, I did incorporate a little bit uh, going in there. So yeah, there it's fascinating stuff. For sure. And then they have, because of Poland being like sort of next door to Germany and Russia, they've been occupied at different times from different larger powers. And um, that is why they are very much a part of NATO and like, you know, very much on the side of Ukraine right now that they do not want to be occupied by Russia again. So, yeah, uh, they are definitely all sort of mobilized and doing all kinds of stuff uh, on the border there. They're super... They don't. Warsaw looks very different, for example, from Poznan. Poznan is still the original sort of architecture and stuff of the um, the ancient Polish culture, uh, whereas Warsaw had been kind of like destroyed in World War II and then rebuilt with um, Soviet Union brutalist architecture. So um, they're like, no more of that, please. <laughs> We'd like like to stick to our own stuff. So, yeah. She's wonderful, yeah. Yeah, thank you for that. Appreciate it. Uh, yes, young gentleman. What is Granuel's last name? McTiernan. McTiernan, yeah. Granuel McTiernan. <laughs> I'm so glad I remembered that. That would have been embarrassing if I... <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Granuel, yeah. Yeah, um... Yeah, the uh, she she's <laughs> he asked me what she looks like. Red hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
that uh by the way that the the tower that she lives in is you know at the time that i wrote it it was basically the only condo tower on the side of the tempe town lake and now it's like it's still there but now it's surrounded by all this glass and steel state farm stuff so that that really got built up a lot it used to be when i wrote it i'm like everybody's going to know exactly where this is they can find exactly where zeranue lives that's cool now they're like which one <laughs> yeah which which of these buildings is he talking about yeah that's the real life caught up with me there so she has a good neighbor yeah <laughs> that i see what you did there I see what you did there. That was good. Take the microphone away. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, any, anybody else? So I could I could sign whatever you guys would like. I'm uh, and of course I will happily sign book plates as well for you. And uh, the poison pen is going to make sure that you get your books, whether they're whether you come back to pick them up or they'll ship them to you. Whatever you'd like, you just make arrangements with them, and they'll take care of that. So. We got one more question. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So, what was your, who was your favorite Irish god to write about in the Iron Druid? Oh, uh, I really enjoyed uh, both Flittish and the Morrigan because they were so sort of conflicted in that, you know, they, they had some depth to them and they were working through some issues. <laughs> you know, whereas a lot of deities are kind of one-dimensional. Um, I appreciated that both Flittish and um, the Morrigan had more to them. So... Um, and I'm continuing to like, you know, to enjoy writing the Morgan as as she appears in the Ink and Sigil series. So, yeah, she's a lot of fun. So, yeah, Flittish, though, I really liked because she was you, you couldn't tell what side she was on. And um, I, I like that part of it, too. It was a kind of a recurring theme sometime with Leif Helgerson, you know, whose side was he on? Well, it's always his side. But, you know, yeah, there you go. Thank you so much. That was a great question. And I like your hat. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah, I had a good time writing it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hope you guys dig it, especially when you see. Yeah, yeah. When you meet the alien, I, I, I think that's going to be fun. So, because uh, I had a blast with that, too. So, I was, because it's, it's literally one of those things. Like, like, my wife, when I was writing Hounded, my wife was like, uh, Kevin, this is great. Everybody's going to love this. I was like, nobody's going to want to have read a story about a druid and a talking dog. <laughs> and then I was kind of feeling that same way with this, where I'm like, nobody's going to want to read this story. And then uh, maybe they will. Um, they might really enjoy it because it's so weird. So, um, yeah. I hope you guys dig it. It's, it's, yeah. It's a lot of fun for me. So uh, I hope you, hope you have fun, too. Uh, anybody else? We're all good. Final call? Yeah. TV or movies? Now nah, there's nothing happening. I mean, I'm I'm certainly willing for if anybody from Hollywood wants to come and give me a bag of money, I'm happy to <laughs> let them do what they want. But uh, yeah, I, I I have no power to make those things happen. They have to come to me. So um, you know, it, the stuff is there. Uh, I did sell an option for the Iron Druid to Warner Brothers, uh, and that was around for like three years. But then they they had some merger and everything fell apart. Nothing's happened since then. So. So they'll bring another bag of money. Yeah. And you'll do another sure. three-year option, right? Yeah, whenever, <laughs> whenever somebody wants to do that, I'm ready. Let's do it. So, yeah. All right. Come so on up and say hi. And absolutely. Get your Come on up. Get your book signed. We've got plenty of other books here. 
Uh, if you if you brought your own, Kevin will be glad to sign yeah. those. Mm-hmm. To our online audience, thank you so much. Yes. Just remember that we've got a lot of Kevin coming this year, so um, keep an eye out on our website. And for those of you who are wondering again, we will be getting uh, signed book plates for this one. And then when Kevin comes back, come on back with your book, and he'll be more than glad to flat sign it too. So Absolutely. We really appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for coming tonight, yeah. for supporting Kevin. Thank you. Congratulations, uh, Kevin. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Hello. We hope you're enjoying our programs and podcasts with authors. We'd like to expand them, and your help would be appreciated. Please make a donation at poisonedpenfoundation.org. 100% of the proceeds will go to help connect authors with readers in this difficult time. Thank you.